What is up, everyone? Welcome into the Fight HQ podcast as we're here to break down UFC Sao Paulo, which goes down here on Saturday down in Brazil. Lock will be at 6 p.m. Eastern time on Saturday. Of course, main card, 9 p.m. Eastern time, the entire fight card on ESPN+. Plus. Of course, I am Jason Ford. As always, I'm joined by the fighter Pete Rogers Jr. So, Pete, let's just get into it. I mean, let me, let me have it. Let me have it. You know, we, we have been here in two weeks since UFC 294, and uh, you finally took down a listener contest. We're not even going to talk about where I finished. <laughs> I think it's hilarious how pre-show, Jason just all of a sudden forgets who won the last contest. And he's like, oh, I'm trying to scroll through things. He's like, I'm not sure who won it. And then I'm sitting here pondering, and I'm like, wait a second. I won the contest, and you had a pretty bad lineup in that contest. So, uh you know, I, I'm going to do my victory dance over here because uh, it's been some time since I took down the listener contest and never have done it. Um, usually I'm at that bottom tier. I, you guys have been killing it, a part of the listener league. So if um, you haven't joined, click the link in the description below to join our Discord. And in, in there, we have tons of conversations. Uh, in addition to that, that's where we have our uh, listener contest as well. And uh, you can get to see me at the top and Jason at the bottom. I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm just looking at my lineup from two weeks ago. I only had two winners, by the way. Uh, Peak and Dumas. My losers, uh, Nathaniel Wood, yeah. Tim Elliott, Volkanovsky, which was a cash play for me. I mean, obviously, I mean, just, I mean, you called her on the show uh, two weeks ago with the, the head kick by, by Islam there. Um, and then I have Ankalaev, of course, that, that no contest, which was just uh, kind of a, a weird. I mean, that, that was. That fight card, man, it, 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 look, it's never good when one of the talking points after a fight card, Pete, is, hey, you see what the cage side doctor did? I know. I, I, yeah. Okay, Pete, let me just, like, I, okay, you're the fighter here, and we're going to get into these fights on Saturday, but you're the fighter here. Could you imagine it's January, you're in the cage there up in Connecticut, and that doctor comes in and goes, no, nah, man, you didn't get kicked in the balls. Yeah, I mean... It's kind of crazy. I mean, because I, I would definitely get triggered. You know what I mean? And Victor Henry's a you know a vet, so for a vet like that to to uh, react the way that he did, I mean, he fell face planted. It looked like a Call of Duty animation the way that he fell to the ground. Um, clearly, he was in a lot of pain. Um, you know, and I don't know, man. That doctor seemed just too involved and a little off. I don't understand what what his deal was. Um, that's when experience comes in, not only for officiating, but also for, you know, just ringside physicians as well. Like that's, that's something that we don't necessarily talk about where you have guys who have hundreds and thousands of fights under their belts of being a part of a commission and guys that are getting into the sport. And as MMA starts to, uh, expand, you know, amongst the, amongst different countries in the world, we're going to see guys, um, kind of learning on the fly. And uh, that that guy just completely ruined a lot of lineups um, for multiple fights. Well, and and then you have Basrat after the fact questioning whether or not he did kick in the balls. I'm going, I'm like, dude, you are tempting the MMA gods in your next fight. Like you yeah. are tempting them that you're just going to get kicked about three times. And yeah, that just it, it's never a good sign. I had friends like I I had like family and friends text me like, dude, he didn't get kicked. I'm like, listen. The cup protects a good amount, but sometimes the worst position to get hit is underneath the cup. And that's where it seemed where glancing shot, 
underneath the cup, that is like the terrible place. And that that's you know, or you know, just getting things, you know, hit against the cup where you know what I mean? Like it, trust the guys when he's getting kicked low. I mean, having five minutes to have to recover after a shot like that, um, you know, it is a difficult task to begin with. Never mind just, you know, just dealing with the pain. Yeah, yeah, it's just, but uh, we're back here. We got the UFC cards here for the next three weeks. Of course, we got a pay-per-view next week. Of course, uh, that pay-per-view went, went through some changes with John Jones uh, suffering that injury in training camp. And, of course, now we got an interim heavyweight title fight. Of course, a light heavyweight title fight as well. But, of course, we're here to talk about UFC Sao Paulo. And as Pete did mention, we do have our DraftKings contest. That The, the link is below, so you can get into that contest and then play along with us. Let's let's take down Pete this week. We got we to gotta get, you know, and, and hopefully. I do not finish in last place again. I, you know, it's been a while since I won that listener contest. I got to get back on the winning ways. Of course, you mentioned about that Discord channel. Pete did set up uh, various channels in our Discord channel. You know, say if you want, you're playing some NBA DFS and you want to talk with everyone that's in there about to, you know who you're going to play that various night NBA. Be sure to check. I haven't had a huge chance to really jump into the NBA. Things have just been crazy in my world. But uh, yeah, I think uh, you know I'm trying. I'm trying to get some NBA DFS uh, this weekend. Of course, we'll talk about prize picks here on the show as well so if you got any uh questions there on prize picks of course a great way to submit a question is over to score or if you want to send us a super chat we appreciate that as well and uh you know huge thanks to those people who are, are clicking those links and, and taking advantage of the deals that stochastic has that's a great way to help uh, support what me and pete do here on the fight hq podcast but pete as we talk about game theory for ufc sao paulo coming up you know and as i look at my spreadsheet and you know and when i do the spreadsheet here on thursday the big thing for me is more of okay how many 9,000 fighters we have, and then how many fighters that do we have that are under 7,300? And we've got seven fighters that are over 9,000. This is a UFC fight night car in Brazil, so that's got to be a part of your equation. More times than not, Brazilians shine here. But, like, it's one of those things of, like, I look at these 9,000 options, and as I'm thinking about game theory, my first thought is, who is going to be the 9,000 option that loses? Yeah, well, who's going to be the 9,000 option that loses? Um, I have one in mind, and uh, we'll get to him. But it's a guy that I think has uh, gas potential, um, also striking defense potential, uh, deficiencies rather. Um, you know, I definitely love Jalton Almeida. <clears throat> I think that the price tag and the <clears throat> odds between Ismael Bonfim and Vince Pichel are kind of completely out of whack. Like, mm-hmm. completely, I think it's way too much in favor of Ismail Bonfim, who was just exposed against Benoit Saint-Denis. Completely different type of fighter, but still, that's just way <clears throat> too hefty of a price tag for most of my lineups. Um, you know, newcomer in Eduardo Mora coming off of Dana White's Contender Series. Gabriel Bonfim, I think, is the better Bonfim brother, truthfully. I, I, no, I do think that he's... It's is, like, is anybody questioning that? <laughs> yeah, well, I think at the beginning, when... Ismail broke into the scene with that flying knee over Terrence McKinney. There was an argument. And then, like, now, clearly, everybody believes that Gabriel is is the better brother. Um, I definitely think that he has a clearer path in that division as well. Kyle Bahio, love him. Renat Fakhradinov, love him. Vitor Petrino is the guy that I'm kind of not buying. I, I'm, I'm not buying into the Petr- Petrino mm-hmm. hype uh, in this matchup against Modestus Bukowskis. We'll get into it, but um, I just think that he's – He's a good fighter, but I, I don't think that he's amongst the elite. Um, so, yeah, I can't wait to break it down with you. I mean, so some interesting price tags, lots of uh, 
hometown favorites or, or hometown fighters. So uh, we'll, we'll see if they can shine in front of the crowd. You know, the other fight that I'm looking at here, and I guess it's it's kind of two, it's really two fights. The first fight to me would be the Rodolfo Vieira, Arm Petrosian fight. You know, just looking at it from a price point aspect, we, we know about Rodolfo Vieira, you know, his pedigree with jiu-jitsu. We also know the fact that now you got Petrosian, a, a kickboxer, so you got clashing styles. You know, we've seen Rodolfo Vieira, that, that cardio can become an issue if it gets later on into a fight. And then, I mean, like, look, you're not going to feel great either way just because it's at, it's at the lower end of the UFC heavyweight division and that's the Nascimento and Mays fight just because like which Dante Mays shows up I mean that that to me is a question mark and like those are to me and like you look at those 9,000 options and you know I look at uh, uh, Fakradimov fight um, you know how much is he able to use that grappling? I mean, over prize picks, his takedown prop is three. There are some lines over prize picks that, that definitely stick out to me. But then, like, you know, I start looking at some of these underdogs. That I'm like, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'll probably get to some, a lot of Angela Hill at 7,800. You know, it, it's just it's, it's one of these things that when you have so many high price options, I'm like, okay, we got to find who is going to be that fire that maybe, maybe they win, but maybe they don't score. Like, Nicholas, like, we'll talk about this one. Nicholas Dalby is a guy that typically goes 15 minutes, Pete. Like, yeah, is he, a, he might be a guy that if you're more playing cash, you know, I'm more of a cash game contest player. He might be a guy that I look at as a sour relief just because I'm thinking, okay, likely he, his history says he goes 15 minutes, even though I'm really high on Gabriel Bomfine, but like, that to me is where I'm at. I mean, like, especially when I, I look like, I look at all these fighters that are underneath 7,300, you know, you, you mentioned about the, the Vince Michelle. I mean, I mean, obviously he is at the, the tail end of his career. He's had some injury situation, but uh, Ismail, I think, is obviously not the better brother there. Um, and uh, we'll see what Kruchewski, what his salary, we've not seen what his salary is going to be. Of course, he's stepping up here on short notice, so we'll get into all that. Of course, as always, appreciate you tuning in. Uh, if you're watching us on YouTube, if you can smash that thumbs up button, we really would appreciate it. Be sure to hit that subscribe button so you know a new show is live here on the channel. Also, if you want to check us out on the podcasting platforms you know apple Podcasts, spotify as we do get the podcast up there just a couple hours after this show is over and always uh do put those time marks in uh, after the show is over as well but let's get right into it pete we got the main event we got a heavyweight matchup of course initially it was going to be blaze taking on almeida however blades pulls out of this fight a couple weeks ago now Derek lewis steps in Derek lewis a plus 385 betting underdog against johnson almeida johnson almeida is minus 550 of course as we do this show the FanDuel salaries are not out. We'll check that out towards the end of the show. Maybe if they do get posted here. But over on DraftKings, Almeida, 9,600 and 6,600 for Derek Lewis. Pete, what is your thoughts, man? I definitely think that anytime Derek's, Derek Lewis fights, he's live to uh, knock out his opponents. I mean, that's pretty obvious. Uh, but as far as stylistically, I think this is a terrible matchup for him. Um, I, I do think that Almeida, I liked him. Uh, earlier on at light heavyweight, but he has actually shown that he can be a, a force within the heavyweight division. Um, it was something where I was thinking, okay, is Derek Lewis just too big, too big and too strong? And, you know, we, we've seen Derek Lewis drop some weight, and um, we've seen him kind of slim down for the division. I think that Almeida is clearly in a favorable matchup. If he takes down Derek Lewis... Outside of just, you know, just doing the strongman getup, I just think that there's such a vast technical, um, like, skill set. Like, Almeida is so much better than, than Derek Lewis. As soon as it hits the mat, 
from Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu to ground and pound. Jalton is just relatively untested on the feet. So if you are taking flyers, I can understand why some ownership is coming in on Derek Lewis. Just because we still don't know how Jalton Almeida looks against, let's call, um, mid-tier to elite competition. And Derek Lewis has been a part of that conversation. And also, it's just like, what happens if he can't get the takedown? Um, I think that it's clearly going to happen. Jalton has done nothing to show me anything to get away from him. The only issue is at 9,600, does he win too quickly? Um, like, if it's just over a minute, he does not get that quick win bonus. Um, similar to how he beat Jairzinho Rosenstruck, scored 104 when he was priced at 9,600. Just given the landscape of the slate, there could be other options out there that kind of outperform that score. But we've seen him also touch 125, 120, 113, 118. So I just think that he's a fantastic play. Um, you know, Derek Lewis, time and time again against grapplers, has been in there and and has knocked them out as they're attempted to take him down. Uh, Curtis Blades, Alexi Olenek. But I definitely think that we've seen uh, Derek Lewis kind of kind of lose a step despite coming off an impressive knockout against Marcos Ruggiero de Lima. Jelton Almeida is going to be a priority play at 9,600. If I'm wrong, it is heavyweight MMA. It is volatile, but I'm okay with it because I just think that Jelton Almeida checks more boxes. Yeah, I mean, look, it's one of those things with Derek Lewis and, you know, we, we've seen the issues that he's had against grapplers. And, and, you know, if you look over prize picks, there's three different props out there on Jolton Almeida. Significant strikes, 15 and a half, fight time, four, and then a fantasy score of 120 and a half. Like, I mean, none of those props really intrigue me, Pete. I mean, if I was going to play anything, I might go more than 15 and a half significant strikes. Yeah, because I think that, you know, Derek Lewis can be stubborn. And may- maybe Jelton goes out there and pounds him out. And his ground and pound is what makes him, his submission skills so dangerous. Because sometimes you just see Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu practitioners go in there and hunt submissions. Um, and then if some guy's stubborn or he has decent defense, they're able to kind of stifle uh, the, ju- the Jiu-Jitsu attacks. But when you combine submission attempts, ground and pound, back to a submission attempt, it really opens up so much opportunity and, uh, you know, you said that line is at 15. Um, you know, he landed uh, four against Gerzinho, uh 45 against Shamil, 17 against Anton, 18 against Parker Porter, and 30 against Dan- uh, Danilo Marquez. So, I mean, I, I think that price picks line is kind of right in the correct territory. But uh, I'm with you. There's, some of those props don't necessarily stick out to me because, like, that 120, he could just get under that. You know what I mean? But still smash on DraftKings. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things that I talk about on prize picks. You know, if you just want to play MMA on prize picks, I, I prefer more with the two to three prop. But, you know, yeah. on Saturdays and even on Sundays, you know, you can team it up with, you know, college football props, NFL props, especially if you want to get to that six-teamer, which, man, I I almost hit a six-teamer uh, oh. the other week. Yeah. I uh, unfortunately Trevor. I had the more fancy score on Trevor Peak, and he came three points. Oh, it would have been a six for six. Damn. <laughs> yeah, I, I had three. I think honestly, I had two or three MMA props along with uh, three college football props. And oh man, yeah, that is 
Oh, I right when I opened that app and I saw that, I cried a little bit of beer. I, I, I <laughs> yeah, might cry. Pain, I, that, that would have been a nice little payday over there at Prize Picks, but uh, yeah, especially on Prize Picks if they've got you know some special where uh, that was one I think where it was like Steph Curry half point score. I mean, so then you knew all you had to do was hit five, and uh, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Uh, right when I saw that, I was like, uh, you, you already know how I felt at that point. <laughs> That's like missing out on first place by like you know a point. You're like. Ugh. Yes, sir. But yeah, but yeah we're, we're all that. yeah we're all trying to take down these tournaments this weekend over here on DraftKings. I just did look, by the way, on FanDuel. They still have not posted salaries, but uh, if we do get those salaries in a show, we will mention those. Let's move over to the co-main event. You got Gabriel Bonfine taking on Nicholas Dalby. Uh, Gabriel Bonfine is a minus six fifty betting favorite, Pete plus four fifty for Nicholas Dalby. Bonfine ninety three hundred and sixty nine hundred for Dalby, Pete. Yeah, so I I think that you know you mentioned it earlier. Um, of how Dalby can be a punt play at 6,900 because if you look at his record, you know, goes the distance a lot, um, almost impossible to finish. And, uh, you know, you just see him in the UFC. Actually, in his career, he's never been finished. But if you if you remember, there was a fight against Jesse Ronson who did end up popping in that situation. So that, that fight was reversed to a no contest. Hit Dalby with a big shot. Following him to the ground, landing some ground and pound, submitted him. Um, you know, I, I understand that uh, Ronson, t- you know, popped in that situation, but I, I just think that Gabriel Bonfim, he's, you know, pick your poison. I think he's going to, you know, hit you with some good combinations on the feet. He's got excellent hands and he has dangerous submission skills. Um, in that situation, we saw Dalby um, tap and tap relatively quickly. I do think that there is a path for Bonfim to get a finish here. I like him a lot. I think that he is going to get a finish. I think he's just too dangerous. He's got so many options, so many ways to beat you. Um, So for me, I understand looking at box scores and and seeing how he's been the distance a lot. And it's Dalby's range and rhythm that frustrates his opponents where he just stays on the outside, peppers away, peppers away. If you overcommit, he will land takedowns too. Um, And he's you know, good in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. He's a very, very good grappler. But I just think that Gabriel Bonfim, he hunts the neck so well that he's he gives you no option. He, you're going to, you know, take a nap um, or you're going to get knocked out. So I think that Bonfim inside the distance is an excellent play. Um, so on, on DraftKings or whatnot, if you can hit that KO or submission prop, I, I just absolutely love it. 9,300. He scored really well, too. So 96, 118. I think he's going to score better than 96. So uh, give me bone theme here at 9,300. I'm not a fan of the the Dolby punt this week. No, I, I mean, I, for me, it's more about his history. Um, but yeah. I understand that. You know, if you look over at Price Picks uh, for Bonfim, you got three props over there: uh, significant strikes, twenty-five and a half; fight time, six minutes; and then your fancy score is one eighteen and a half. And if you're you know, like what Pete had to say there, that one eighteen and a half, maybe that prop you maybe look at playing over there, going more than one eighteen and a half, especially if you can get him out uh, inside the first round. Which uh, you know, the six-minute fight time prop is kind of intriguing to me in a little bit. You know, maybe that Dolby survives and gets it, you know, even if he gets stopped in the second round, you know, you get over that six minutes, but that's kind of the one that did 
stick out to me. Next up, we got a heavyweight matchup, and uh, you're probably not going to feel good either way you put either one of these guys in your lineup, and that is Rodrigo Nascimento and Dontel Mays. Nascimento is a minus 195 betting favorite. Dontel Mays is plus 165. He's 7,400 on DK, while Nascimento is 8,800 on DK, Pete. Yeah, Jason, you know my rule, right? Uh, Can't really bet against American top team unless they're going up (laughs) against another super team. And uh, I I do think that, you know, Jackson MMA is clearly not what it used to be, but it's still one of the best gyms in the world. Um, So I I think that this is a situation where I'm intrigued by both sides. Uh, Rodrigo Nascimento's best path to victory over most of the heavyweight division is by taking them down and incorporating his... uh, Ground and pound into submissions. I just don't know if he has the best takedowns. I love the fact that he's a part of American Top Team, getting work in with Steve Mako. Uh, you know, that, that wrestling camp, a part of American Top Team, is just so crucial. The issue for me is how he seems so boxing focused. I understand that, you know, he's probably a better grappler than striker, so he wants to get better at his weakness. But I just see a guy that does not move his head off the center line. Um, I see a guy that plods, that believes he has power in his hands, and he doesn't. He's, he kind of has pillow hands for this division. He has good combinations uh, when he lets them go, but I just think like defensively, he's a liability. We've seen him get rocked numerous times. Um, I mean, a couple fights ago against Alain Badeau, he got 10-8'd. Alain Badeau is not a good fighter, and mm-hmm. Alain Badeau had him on skates. Um, he followed it up with two split decision wins over Tanner Bozer and Alir Latifi. I think that they're both impressive, but those are kind of like overblown light heavyweights. If you if you want my honest opinion, right? Like Dontel Mays is a is a big guy, really big guy. Has been training with all the all the you know fighters a part of Jackson MMA, training with John Jones specifically. Um, you know, and like John Jones, even in that silly footage of John Jones hurting his pec. He was trying to take Dontel Mays down, and Dontel Mays had a real good whizzer and had good hips and didn't get taken down, resulting in John Jones getting hurt. I'm not picking Mays because of that. I'm just saying, like, you got a high-caliber training partner that you are working with who's clearly rounding out your game. Give me Dontel Mays here at 7,400. And I'll tell you, knee-jerk reaction, I always look at first impressions. My first impression was Nasamanta goes out there and, you know, takes him down and subs him. But... I just don't – I can't trust him to go to the takedowns. Like, I, I don't know, man. I, I just think that he's believing in his hands a little too much and it's going to get him caught against the guy in Dontel Mays who's, you know, who, who just picked up a nice victory over Andre Arlovsky. I understand that Augusto Sakai kind of pinned him against the cage. But I think that Mays in a volatile division, I think he's going to knock out Rodrigo Nascimento. I mean, look, I don't blame you. I mean, I, I just think you're not going to feel good either way. No. No way. No way. And that's why like I'm gonna get exposure to both sides. It's a it's a uh low level heavyweight fight. So you have to have exposure. Mm-hmm. And in the heavyweight division, there's a likelihood of it going um it it being a finish, you know, not going the distance. So uh give me the underdog in Dontel Mays. Yeah, these are always the fights that concern me. You know, we, we oh, yeah. talk about low level, you know, MMA, you know, low level heavyweight MMA because it can really go uh, either way. Looking over at prize picks, uh, Nascimento, significant strike prop. He's 41 and a half. Fight time is 10 and a half. Takedowns two and fancy score 92 and a half. Um, you know, 
maybe that fight time one, maybe the one I, w- I would look at a little bit more than, than the other ones. But uh, well, just just I mean, you're not going to feel good either way. I mean, I, I don't care who who you what a uh, roster up in that matchup. Next up, we got uh, uh, Magomedov taking on Barrow. Barrow is a minus three ten betting favorite, plus two fifty for Magomedov. He is seventy two hundred or seven thousand, excuse me, on DK, and Barrow is ninety two hundred. Pete. Yeah, I just I don't understand the love that I'm seeing for uh, Abus Magomedov. I just I just don't. I I know that he's had a ton of fights. Um, I understand that you know where he comes from. He's a dangerous striker, but against Kyle Bahalio, I just think that Kyle is is like elite. You know, he's on an upward trajectory, whereas Abus Magomedov is looking to rebound off of a terrible performance against Sean Strickland. Um, you know, he has a, a nice victory over Dustin Stolzfus. But, like, I just think that Abus Magomedov is going to get hit with some shots that he's that he doesn't like from the evasive Kyle Bahalio. And despite Abus having good offensive wrestling, um, I think that he's going to get outgrappled here by the, the tricky Kyle Bahalio. He's a jiu-jitsu phenom. I really think that this kid is insane. He's so good. Uh, the team, the Fight Nerds, is a team that I've circled as a an upward, uh, upper echelon team. And uh, I think that Kyle is going to do it here. The issue is, does it go the distance? And I got this massive bird outside my house right now. I don't know if you hear it chirping away. <laughs> oh, but, I do. <laughs> uh, yeah. What in the world? What's going on? Um, but, uh, yeah, Kyle Bahalio at 9,200 is going to be the play. If Abus goes out there and upsets Kyle Bahalio on short notice, I'll be really impressed. I just do not see it happening. Yeah, I'm with you there. And when you look over at Price Picks, uh, Kyle's uh, Symphony strikes 30 and a half, fight time 11 and a half, two takedowns, and 91 and a half. It's kind of crazy that you think about Mike Madoff, you know, from where he was in the PFL, now into the UFC. I mean, he gets thrown into the fire against Sean Strickland, yeah. of course, now now the champion. Um, and, and now kind of, you know, taking that step down in competition, but I'm with you there. Next up, we got Rodolfo Vieira taking on Armin Petrosian. Petrosian, uh, this is a straight pick on on both sides, minus 110. Uh, Petrosian is 8,300. Vieira is 7,900, Pete. Clash of styles, right? Insanely talented grappler in Rodolfo Vieira insanely talented striker and Armin Petrosian. What happens? Um, you know, I, I think that on the outside, clearly Armin Petrosian's going to pick Adolfo Vieira apart. Vieira needs to um, blast double him, put him against the cage. The issue is the uh, efficiency in the takedown department. I just don't think that Adolfo has phenomenal takedowns. And that's where like jujitsu practitioners tend to lack. A lot of guys that are um, from a jiu-jitsu background, just do not have the wrestling chops when you put everything together. One of seven against Cody Brunage in the takedown department. Zero of 20 against Chris Curtis. Three of four against Dustin Stolzfus and four of 10 against Anthony Hernandez. So I think that he can take him down. Um, but like Armin Petrosian show me a good get-up and stand-up ability where he gets back to his feet. I mean, the, the fight against Gregory Rodriguez, who's not... The same caliber of grappler of Rodolfo Vieira, but a very dangerous grappler, had Armin Petrosian in some very, very bad spots. Um, and Petrosian got out. He got out and he got up and he didn't quit. So I, I think that I really like the Armin Petrosian side here at 8,300. Um, it's always tough when you have 
a guy going up against an absolute specialist. But I am going to pick Armin Petrosian here at 8,300. I, I just think that, you know, from everything I've seen from Adolfo Vieira, very untrustworthy. Um, he got dropped and almost finished against Cody Brundage, who I do not think is good. And I just think that Armin Petrosian, um, you know, it start every the fight starts on the feet, and he can defend some takedowns, and he just cannot give up his back. If he gives up his back, I think it's going to be a quick night. So, give me Armin Petrosian here at eighty three hundred, but it's a great fight to target. Um, and I think that either way, we're going to get a big score out of this one. But give me uh, Armin Petrosian with the lean. Yeah, I think when you talk about fights to target this week, this has to be right up there just because yeah. it is a clash of styles. And, you know, I mean, obviously, if you're on the uh, Vieira side of this equation, you know, I think you have to be concerned of if this fight hits the second or third round, what would that yep. gas tank be like there? You know, you, you mentioned all those the, the statistics there on his takedowns. And, of course, uh, you know, if you're Petrosian, you know, can you kind of weather that storm there? If you look over on prize picks, uh, Petrosian, uh, significant strikes is 40.5, fight time 9.5, and a fancy score of 76.5. I feel like I would attack the fancy score over yep. the, those three over there, just going more than that 76.5. Because to me, if he wins this fight, and I, and I think that the likelihood is that either one of these guys will win by finish, uh, he's going and he wins, he'll go well north of that 76.5 number. So that's the one on price picks that I really like uh, if you're looking to attack that matchup. Next up, we got Ishmael Bonfin taking on Vince Bichel. Bonfin minus 550, plus 385 for, the, for Bichel. Pichel is 6,700 on DK and 9,500 for Bonfine. Pete, uh, what's your take, man? What a ridiculous gap in salary and what a ridiculous gap in betting odds. I just, I don't see Ishmael Bonfine being a 5-1. to one. That's ridiculous. Like, minus 500 is crazy. Almost plus 400 dog for Vince Pichel. Like, this is a guy, I understand he's old for the division. He is 7-3 and three in the UFC. He's fought notable names. Um, he has been finished in the past against Rustam Kabilov, Gregor Gillespie. But like he's fought Mark Madsen, Austin Hubbard, Jim Miller, Roosevelt Roberts, Joaquin Silva, like Anthony Njikawani. Like a lot of names that, that you can recognize. I just think this is kind of like old school matchmaking uh, prospect against a UFC vet. I just don't like the salary. And if you look at Ismail Bonfim and you watch a lot of his fights... Um, he tends to get people out of there towards the end. I see a lot of third round, you know, KOs, TKOs. Um, I think that Vince is just a very difficult guy to, to get out of there. And Vince will strike, and, and this will be a back-and-forth contest. I think Vince is going to get hurt by Ismail Bonfim's excellent hands. Um, but then it's going to make Vince wrestle. And I think Vince is going to wrestle. And uh, we, we saw what happens if Ismail Bonfim gets controlled. Uh, he got absolutely worked against uh against Benoit Saint-Denis. So, like, there's a path to victory there for Vince Pichel, who's done it against many, many, you know, uh, opponents. I just still think at the end of the day, Ismail is going to get a decision win here. I think it's going to be Vince makes it interesting. Ismail lands some better shots on the feet, and it comes down to damage versus control. So uh, give me Ismail Bonfim, but me personally, I don't like the price tag. If he goes out there and finishes Vince Pichel, I think that's really damn impressive. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of wonder. I mean, you, you look at the, you know, Vince's clearly on, on the, the back nine uh, of his yeah. career. I mean, and his age, you just kind of wonder maybe is this that, you know, kind of that classic UFC matchmaking of, you know, really trying to use that that guy that's been around for a long time and, and a younger guy to try to elevate that younger guy. So um, that's where kind of my thoughts there. If you look over at prize picks, uh, Bonfine, 48 and a half significant strikes uh, prop, 10 and a half fight time minutes, and 106 and a half on the fantasy score once again not not anything that i i really love i just wonder maybe could pichelle just you know you know being that vet get this fight to the third round and and, and get to you know the 11 minute mark that's kind of where uh, if i was going to attack it on price fix i'd probably go there next up we got a matchup where we only know the price on one side of the equation of course that's elvis brenner taking on can chucheski chucheski uh plus 130 betting underdog minus 160 uh for brenner uh if you're not um if you're not familiar with chucheski uh, if you go on on YouTube, actually, one of his fights in LFA is up there, so you can check his fight up over there if you're not a Fight Pass subscriber. I know, uh, by the way, Fight Pass is doing some deals where um, I know I heard John Morgan talking about it. Basically, uh, get three months for the price of one if you're looking at on Fight Pass. And by the way, if uh, you're uh, like myself and live here in the state of Florida, sports betting is uh, going back live, Pete, in a month from now. Awesome. Happy to hear that for you guys. That's great. Well, I mean, it's still going through the course. So who knows? But but the, yeah. the Hard Rock did say yesterday that uh, they're going back live December eighth. So we'll, uh, you know, when they had MMA before, they did offer. They were just doing money line props here. But uh, you know, you, you talk about Brenner. You know, he had a previous opponent here. And now he gets a change of opponent instead of up here on a week's notice. Yeah, I mean, uh, me personally, I hope this fight doesn't happen just because like it's going to ruin my construction. Um, I think that Elvis Brenner at 8,200 is going to be the play. I don't know his opponent's salary, but like, you know, I, I think that Brenner's been impressive. Um, his previous performance is extremely impressive. I mean, like, because I was a guy backing um, Guram Kutataladze pretty heavily. And guess what? Elvis Brenner has like the dog in him. Um, and he goes out there and. No matter what, I feel like this guy gets beat up in training so much that he's so accustomed to it. And if you have any ounce of fatigue, he's going to stay there from bell to bell and he's going to test you and he's going to come back. And he, he, you know, overcomes adversity really, really well. And uh, he just picked Guram Kutataladze apart at the end and it was largely due to fatigue, but picked up a knockdown, two takedowns, two and a half minutes of control time, scored one-on-one was priced at 6800 in that fight. So everybody, including myself, we were on Guram Kutataladze. Uh, but prior to that against uh, Zubaira Tukugov, he was priced at 6600 uh, relative short notice, scored 60 in the decision. I, I actually think that Brenner's new opponent is pretty good. I think that they're both going to test each other. Um, so what I am actually rooting for in this situation is just underperforming underperforming from a, mm -hmm. a score standpoint i'm still picking elvis brenner because his opponent has been finished in the past and i do think that a guy who's already been at the big stage he's accustomed to the whole process um he, he's impressed me he really has impressed me and i think that as the fight goes on he'll kind of get his feet under him and rounds two and three will be his i, I think that he's going to drop the first to a really excited guy um making his ufc debut but after that, I'm expecting a Brenner decision or a late stoppage. So give me Brenner at 8,200. But truthfully, I hope it's a low-scoring fight. 
Yeah, I mean, if you look over Prize Picks, I think it kind of tells you what Prize Picks thinks of this matchup here. Brenner, uh, City for Strike, six two and a half. Fight time, fourteen and three quarters, two and a half takedowns, oh. and eighty five and a half fancy score. Ooh, oh, I hear that. Ooh, you know why? Because that's good. I, I mean, like at eighty two hundred, it's it's really hard to not um, make it into an optimal it, with a win. It can happen though if it's in the eighties. You know, like eighties still really good. But it's, you know, if you got six fighters, 90, 90 plus, you know, that then if you avoid that mid-range, it, it could work out for you. So it, it seems like they're expecting this to go the distance as well. And I'm, I'm kind of happy with those lines that I'm hearing that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's it's funny. I'll tell you before the show, I was over, you know, kind of to, uh, you know, when I'm looking at Trukeski's, uh name, I'm like, how did he pronounce this? And so yeah. I think with the LFA fight was up there. So uh, I had to phonetically spell it out a little bit there. Uh, next up, we got uh, Fokker Dimov taking on Dos Santos. Dos Santos, a plus 285 betting un- fa- underdog, excuse me, minus 360 fair for Fokker Dimov. Fokker Dimov is 9,100 on DK and 7,100 for Dos Santos, Pete. Yeah, Renat Fakradinov is going to win this fight. Um, and against uh, Alessio Zaleski Dos Santos, I think that Dos Santos is dangerous on the feet. If you aren't legitimate, he will he will hurt you. Um, he can throw good kicks. He has good submission skills. He's just a good test. The issue here is that he's coming off of back-to-back split uh, split decisions, one in favor of him against Abubakar Namagomedov and one against him against Muslim Salikov. I think that this is a nice opponent for Renat Fakhradinov to go out there and get a, a win against a guy who has nine UFC victories. Um, it's kind of like a perfect maturing process for Renat Fakhradinov. Um, Andreas Mihilidis in his debut, Brian Battle, now you go up against a guy who has nine victories in the UFC. The issue I have with Renat Fakhradinov, and it's kind of hard to poke fun at anything he does, is just his inability to pass guard. So he has excellent control, excellent takedowns, a big right hand. Um, he's going to take Zaleski Dos Santos down. It's just how frequent is he going to take him down? Zaleski Dos Santos, um, you know, we've seen him go up against Benoit Saint-Denis and beat him from pillar to post. We've seen him go up against Abubakar Namagamadov, uh, stuffed seven takedowns, um, stuffed three takedowns against Muslim Zalikov. So with his takedown defensibility, I think it could, I think it could slightly limit the ceiling of Renat Fakhradinov. I just think that, you know, eventually he's going to get him down and then he's going to get control time and then he's going to incorporate some ground and pound. But like you're looking at 13 minutes of control time against Andreas Mihalidis and 14 minutes of control time against Brian Battle. I think personally, Renat's probably going to have between seven and eight minutes of control time. So the the score of 129 and 108, I don't think it's going to hit that unless he gets a finish, of course. Um, so basically, the, the skill set of Dos Santos can slightly negate the ceiling of uh, Fakhradinov. So I'm picking Fakhradinov here um, at 9,100. He's part of American Top Team. Zaleski Dos Santos, not a part of a super camp. So I am favoring the American top team prospect in Renat Fakhradinov. And looking over at prize picks on this matchup, Fakhradinov, uh, Symphony Strikes, 36.5. Fight time, 12.5. Takedowns, 3. And fantasy score, 101.5. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, 3, I think, is right. (sighs) Yeah, I I mean, that... that, that, 
I hate playing that high of a prop though. Same. You know, just because, okay, if you go more, okay, so he's got to get four. Yeah, they're setting a trap right here. And let me tell you why they're setting a trap. Because he had five five of ten against Andreas Mihalidis and seven of nine against uh, Brian Battle. So I do think that the takedown defense of Dos Santos is going to come into play. Eventually, Renat's going to get him down. And it's either going to be a push or it's going to be under. Yeah, I mean, just kind of looking at some of the ownership projections out there, I understand why Farkadimov is going to be, uh, as of this point, maybe one of the most uh, highest-owned fighters out there on this yeah. card. Uh, next up, we got Daniel Marcos taking on Victor Hugo. Hugo is a plus-205 betting underdog, minus-250 for Marcos. Marcos is 8900 DK, and for Hugo, he is 7300 Pete. Victor Hugo, a very frustrating guy to find tape on. Um, he has a second last name, so eventually I found some tape on him. Uh, but there is a Brazilian jiu-jitsu practitioner named Victor Hugo, who is not him. Um, so it, it made, you know, the, the tape study very frustrating. But I hate this, I hate this fight. I just I don't like it. Um, Daniel Marcos goes out there, 8,900. Victor Hugo kind of reminds me of, um, what's that guy's name that, that is completely volatile, who fought CJ Vergara, Da Silva. Kind of reminds me of him. Where he's just he he hunts finishes he's sloppy puts himself in bad positions seems like there's questionable fight IQ um, it worked out for him on the uh, on the contender series where he picked up a, a leg lock leg lock victory I don't know man I just think that Daniel Marcos he's not a grappler by any means but I, I do think that he can defend some takedowns as evidence in his UFC debut that ended in the second round defended five takedowns defended one against Davy Grant. Victory against David Grant to now going up against Victor Hugo seems like a step down in competition, clearly. Don't want to put MMA math into the equation, but I'm just saying, I think that Marcos, if it's on the feet, he's going to chop at that leg, that low calf kick. Uh, Victor Hugo seem, seems like he's somewhat of a showman, drops his hands, throws wild techniques, very sloppy, uh, and I think he's going to meet his match on the feet, and then he's going to get desperate with takedowns and rolling for leg locks and let's just hope that he doesn't get them uh, i'm picking marcos to, to win via decision 8900 not really i could see a finish i could see a knockout but not really a guy that i'm circling and saying i have to get to this fight i mean his debut was impressive he scored uh, 104 but that did come at the seven minute mark against simon Oliveira. so um i don't know man I, i'm just not a fan of this fight for dfs but i'm picking daniel marcos to win Get you on that over on Prize Picks. Uh, Marcos forty four and a half on significant strikes, ten fight time minute, and ninety four and a half fantasy score. Any of those uh, stick out to you, Pete? Um, not real. I mean, it's because there's so so much uncertainty regarding a guy making his debut, and then like Victor Hugo with questionable tape. It, it's just it seems like a very it seems like a trap. Like, everything about this fight seems like a trap to me, so I'm just going to steer away from it from everything. I get you on that one. Next up, we got a matchup between Victor Petrino and Modestus Bukakis. Bukakis is a plus 200 betting underdog, minus 245 for Petrino. Petrino is 9,000. Bukakis is 7,200. This is a fight that I wonder, is it a trap to try to make this your underdog play of the week? It might be. But I'm going to give it a shot. And the reason I'm going to give it a shot is just because I think that Modestus Bukowskis um, doesn't get the credit that he deserves just because I think that he's, you know, turned his career completely around after um, disappointing in the UFC, getting cut, 
Um, you know, having a devastating injury against Khalil Roundtree, going on a tear, coming back, and then beating Tyson Pedro. So, like, I I think that, you know, Modestus Bukowskis is, you know, I, I think that he's a very good striker, um, questionable durability, um, picked up a victory against Zach Palga. Uh, Palga, a guy that was supposed to impress on the Ultimate Fighter and within the division. But I, I just think that Modestus is, you know, he's pretty well-rounded and he's a big guy. He's strong. So like Vitor Petrino's used to muscling almost all of his adversaries. And I don't necessarily know if he can do that against Modestus Bukowskis. If it hits the mat, clearly I don't like Bukowskis there um, because he's susceptible to getting pounded out or possibly getting uh, subbed. But I think that Modestus has good hips. I think that he goes for underhooks well. I think he has good sh- uh, good striking. It's just the striking defense that worries me against a very, very dangerous fighter in Vitor Petrino. Petrino, even on the contender series, almost like he was struggling early on and he almost disappointed. I mean, he ended up picking up a, a knockout, but like he had to dig deep because he was getting picked apart at, at times. Anton, Anton Tarkalj, that fight was back and forth. He had to resort to his grappling and he outmuscled his opponent, got seven takedowns. You know, the, the fight against Marcin Prakneo, I hit on that third round submission prop, which was like crazy, crazy odds. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Marcin's not good. And for you to take three rounds to get him out, I don't know. Uh, I just think that Modestus here, he's a light heavyweight. I think he has the experience edge uh, just in all overall MMA fights. And I'm going to pick him. I'm going to pick him to uh, surprisingly knock out Vitor Petrino. It could blow up in my face. Because I think that everybody's kind of just automatically putting Petrino in their lineups because they think Modesta sucks. Um, but I'm going to say that he looked impressive against Mikhail Olashechuk, too, if you go back. So uh, I'm picking Modesta's here at 7,200. Uh, you got Petrino over on DraftKings, 39.5 on the significant strike prop, 11 fight time minutes, 2.5 takedown prop, and at 96.5. I just, I mean. 96.5 is his score? Fancy score, yeah. Well, as a Modestus backer, I'm gonna I'm gonna do that. But like, the way I play prize picks is not ballsy. Uh, I play prize picks for safety, so I don't necessarily know if I would include anything in in, in that. Yeah, I mean, for me, what I like to do in terms of MMA prize picks is just kind of okay, you know, whether whether I'm making that play today, tomorrow, or on Saturday, it's more of just kind of highlighting, okay, which are the ones I like, and and for me, very much this time of year, it's it's teaming up in college football, also in NBA. I was literally just looking at NBA because I was looking at what Pancaro's uh, point prop is tonight, which is sixteen and a half because we only got four NBA games tonight, so uh, you know that, that was one of those things that I was looking at over there. But uh, yeah, I'm very much a bigger, you know, you know, find two, three MMA props that you really like, go with those, and then uh, just enjoy the rest of the fights. Next up, we got Denise Gomes taking on Angela Hill. Angela Hill is a plus one fifteen betting underdog, minus one thirty five for Gomes. Gomes is eighty four hundred on DK, seventy eight hundred for Angela Hill. Pete, knee jerk reaction. I was picking Angela Hill, um, and then upon tape study, I just start noticing Angela Hill's durability is in question. Man, she's taking so many shots. And usually she's the dog in the striking where she just goes out there, bites down on the mouthpiece, throws caution to the wind, lands better combinations, and kind of frustrates her opposition. That's what she was largely known as, just a very good striker who had terrible grappling and wrestling. She's rounded that part of her game out a little bit. 
Um, you know, but like I, I'm starting to see her getting hit with every right hand that's thrown. I just see, see a, a defensive flaw, a part of her game that I don't think was there before. I, maybe she's, you know, nobody likes to get hit, but she's definitely not dealing with it as well as as well as she used to. Um, you know, if you look at it on paper, it looks like she's so durable, and she is, but like she's having to like struggle to survive in some of these fights. Like Mackenzie Dern hurt her numerous times, and, and Mackenzie Dern, you know, she was putting some some heat behind those punches, but like her grappling's her strong suit. Um, and Angela Hill, like she's going the distance with some dangerous strikers. But at times, it's like, oh my gosh. And against a, uh, a fighter in Denise Gomes, power is like a rarity for, for women's MMA. And Denise Gomes has that stopping power, that Jessica Andrade stopping power. Short notice debut against Loma Lukbumi. Nearly won that. Um, put Loma in some bad spots. Um, attempted, submi- attempted three submissions. So even if this becomes a grappling contest, I think that she can threaten for a finish. Uh, back-to-back knockout wins for Denise Gomes over Bruna Brazil in the second round in Yasmin Jaragui. The issue I see is that I'm going to play this week. I'm going to hope that these women's MMA bouts go the distance as they used to historically. I'm just going to hope that they're low scoring. Um, But if I had to, to pick a ceiling play, it's clearly Denise Gomes because just like Denise Gomes has that stopping power about her. Um, but, you know, the, the first KO she had in the UFC against Bruno Brazil came at 7 minutes and 42 seconds. When Angela Hill gets hurt, she clinches up really well and she initiates the tie clinch, which I did see somewhat of Denise Gomes have a weakness in there against Loma Lukbumi, who's a, you know, a, a, uh, a clinch expert. And then she kind of led to some head and arm throws. But I just think that, you know, Angela Hill knows how to survive despite – her record being 10 and 13 in UFC, she's she's very, very tough out. I think it's going to come down to who landed the better shots. And I think Denise Gomes is going to get her hand raised. I'm just going to hope that it doesn't get finished. Um, in some of my lineups, of course, I'm going to account for the finish. But in my main lineups, I think I'm going to avoid this fight and just think that Denise Gomes has the better shots and wins a decision. Yeah, I mean, if, there's only two props on, on Nisi Gomes available on prize picks. Significant strike, 75 and a half. Fancy score, 83 and a half. I mean, I, I'm hoping. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a potential low score there. Next up, we got another female matchup. As uh, the, really the question comes is, uh, can Eduarda can she defend the head and arm throw? Because we all know that's that's Ruiz's go to move in this one. Uh, Montserrat Ruiz is a plus four forty betting underdog minus six hundred for Eduarda. Eduarda is ninety four hundred on DK and sixty eight hundred for Ruiz. Pete. Yeah, I think that Montserrat Ruiz could be solid if they had like an atom weight division. But I, I just think that at straw weight and anything higher, she's just too small. Um, you know, she has a great headlock. And if you do not know how to sag your hips or defend a headlock, um, or at least make an adjustment, if you get caught with it once, okay. But don't get caught with it numerous times as Cheyenne Velismus did. Um, you know, she had 10 minutes of control time, four or five in the takedown department. And ended up winning that over Cheyenne Velismus, which was impressive. She scored 102.99. Uh, Eduardo Mora coming from the same camp as uh, Jalton Almeida. You know, don't know much about the camp other than it's just, you know, everybody I've seen out of there, they're monsters. Eduardo Mora impressed on Dana White's Contender Series. Um, 
you know, I think this girl's really good and really big, very physical. I think that she's going to pick up a victory here. It's just, again, if she does get a finish, I hope it's later so that it, it doesn't, you know, affect the slate too much. Because I do think that Montserrat Ruiz has been focusing on her on her boxing for some time now. Um, and, you know, she has okay, you know, survival skills. But I think ultimately Eduardo Mora is going to impose her will on her and either get a dominant decision or get her out of there. So Eduardo Mora is the, is the play at 9,400. Um, I'm just not, I'm not going to punt with Montserrat Ruiz in any lineups. But, you know, historically it is women's MMA and underdogs. Underdogs pop in women's MMA and heavyweight MMA. So I won't, I won't hate you if you go that route, but I'm not doing it. I'm picking Eduardo Mora to, to win pretty decisively here. Appreciate everyone tuning in here to the Fight HQ podcast. You watch us live here on YouTube. Uh, Andrew, uh, appreciate it, man. Scott, to see you're you're there. Ryan over there as well. We appreciate everyone tuning in here. Of course, uh, be sure to smash that thumbs up button. Also, uh, be sure to subscribe to the channel if you're not subscribed. Of course, you can also check us out on the audio platforms as well. Of course, we got our Discord channel, totally free. Join a lot of great conversation, not just with MMA, but other DFS sports out there. Of course, uh, you know, I know there's been some great uh, dialogue with the NBA channel. Talk about those NBA. Lineups, of course. So we got that DraftKings contest for Saturday's UFC Sao Paulo. Maybe we'll have to throw some NBA uh, listener contests if people are interested. Uh, let, let us know in the score. You know, me and Pete can definitely set up those contests. We want to maybe do a little Fight HQ NBA contest. So if you want to check it out, let us know. Of course, uh, we have one more fight to talk before we give our straight up picks and answer all the questions that have come in here. And that's uh, Mark Die Casey, who is a minus 175 betting fair. He's 8,600 on DK. Taking on Fernandez here, who's plus 145 and 7,600 on DK, Pete. Okay. Vegas does this, all right? Vegas does this where they set a line and it's a fishy line, whether it's for, whether it's for football, basketball, fights, or whatever, where it almost seems too good to be true because Mark Jacasey against any UFC, any newcomer, should be more than a minus 150 favorite. Just saying. This guy has fought so many people. Joel Alvarez, Michael Johnson, Demir Hadzovich, uh, Borshev, Rafael Alves, Rafael Vaziv, Venada, Duffy, Hawkrost, Hooker, Close. I mean, I can go on and on. I just listed, rattled off like 10 of them. He's fought legitimate competition. The issue here and I'm going to warn everybody that's watching right now, and thank you guys for watching, is I think Vegas is setting a trap line because there are two fighters with almost the same name, and Kawa Fernandez and Kawe Fernandez. And if you type in on YouTube or Facebook or Google, some of the videos you're watching are for the wrong guy because I was doing it, and I'm like, oh, man, this guy, Kawa Fernandez, got taken down and subbed and looked like a fish on the mat. And then I look on his topology record. I'm like, wait a minute. He doesn't have a submission loss. So I looked into it more. Kawe Fernandez is the guy we're talking about. Nova Uniao product. Uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt. Phenomenal striker. Excellent Muay Thai. Phenomenal kicks as evidenced in his LFA head kick knockouts. I think a lot of people are going to get, you know, steered into the Mark Jacasey, you know, too good to be true value. And that was my knee-jerk reaction. But I think that this being in Brazil means something. And also the fact that Cowway 
when he gets to if he does get taken down and there's one fight of his where he did look like he got fatigued because he was taken down and, and controlled he hunts submissions like crazy and we know mark jacasey despite his knack for loving to wrestle and looking to go in there and, and take down uh borshev 11 of 18 times demir 8 of 11 times like attempting ridiculous Kamaru Usman, Colby Covington numbers for the takedowns. I think that he's putting himself in danger because on the feet, uh, Coway will will bomb away and everything he throws is with bad intentions. And then if he does grapple with Coway, Coway has excellent arm bars, just good leg locks, great, great attacks, even to just get back to his feet. I personally think that Coway is going to be an underdog that has some of the highest finishing upside on the slate. But as the fight goes late, clearly it tilts in the vet's favor. So I'm going to be picking Coway Fernandez, which really surprises me. Um, but I am. I, I'm going to pick him here because if in all of Mark Casey's fights in the UFC, every time somebody's attempted a submission on him, he's lost. And I think that Coway's going to attempt a submission on him. And that seems like silly logic. But also, just everything I see, there is a line where Mark Chikasey will give. And I think that Coway is going to push that line and force him to give. So uh, give me Coway at 7,600 to kind of shock the world, break the slate. And, uh, you know, it is first fight of the night. So you know the volatility with that. So uh, it surprises me because that's not what my, my first initial reaction to the fight was. But uh, after researching it and thinking about it, I just don't like Mark Casey is going to be putting himself in danger time and time again. You know me, you know, I hate playing the first five of the night. It's yep. just, just something I really don't love to do there. Let's get into our straight up five picks, Pete, on this one. Uh, main event. Uh, yeah, I was more interested if this would have been Curtis Blaze. I think it would have been a very uh, interesting test, but uh, yeah, I think Jalton Almeida rules here. Same Jalton Almeida. And it, it's a shame too, right? Because like, I don't like the, I don't like the opponent for Derek Lewis. Like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Get him in other matchups, not this one. Yeah. Uh, I'll go uh, Gabriel Bonfim. Yeah, Gabriel Bonfim, big time. Oh, man, this next one, I don't feel good either way. Give me underdog number one and Dante Mays. Yeah, I hate it, but I'm going Dante Mays. Um, we'll, we'll get back to the favorite trade here because uh, I go bra. Yeah, Barallo as well. Uh, I will go, uh, this is a pick and fight, so uh, give me Arnold Petrosian. There, uh, there are some books out there he is in the underdog, so if you're uh, in a place where you can pay, play some bets uh, yeah, and shop around, may, might be able to find plus money on him. Yeah, give me Petrosian. Uh, then I will, uh, man, this is, uh, I'll go Ismail Bonfim, but, uh, man, I, I I feel like this could be the, the 9K option that might uh, not perform the way you would hope. I was thinking that too. Like I was really trying to talk my way into Vince Pichel pulling it off, but I, I will still say that despite you know my hatred for the number, I'm picking his male bone theme. Uh, give me Brenner. Yeah, I'm gonna go Brenner as well. Uh, Fakhradinov. Fakhradinov. Uh, I go Marcos. Marcos. Uh, give me Victor Petrino. Okay, I'm going with uh, Bukowskis. I'm I'm a I feel like I should not say this name, but I'm gonna say it. Angela Hill. Okay, I'm gonna go Denise Gomes. Uh, Eduarda. Eduarda Mora. Uh, I'm pretty sure we're gonna disagree here. Give me uh, D. Casey. No problem. I'm gonna go with Cowway. Cowway Fernandez. Let's go. 
Um, I will tell you, so as of right now, there's three props that I've circled on price picks. Um, I say less than 11 fight time minutes on Petrino. I think one of the one of those guys will catch each other. I think that fight ends within two rounds. Um, give me the more than 76.5 fantasy score on Aaron Petrosian. I think if he wins, he should be able to smash that number. Um, and then I'm going up Borrello with a 30 and a half significant strikes. Give me more than 30 and a half significant strikes. So it'll be the, the three, uh, price picks plays as of right now. If I do, uh, there's some more things I like, uh, I will put that over in our discord channel. Speaking of discord channel gets uh, some questions that came in here earlier today. Uh, first up value plays on under 8k on DraftKings and FanDuel cheapies. Uh, obviously we do, I'll double check, see if we've got any, um, FanDuel lines, but uh, FanDuel salaries. But I think when you start talking about that underneath 8K, um, you know, I think you got to look at Dantel Mays. Um, even though we do like Petrosian, I think uh, Rodolfo Vieira, if you can even get that one to the ground and utilize it. Um, outside of that, Pete, I, I don't mind the punt of Bukakis at 7,200. Um, I wouldn't go Angela Hill in a GPP. That'd be, to me, more of a cash games play than a GPP play if you're going to go there. Um, and you made some great points on Fernandez. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of where I'm lying as well, and that's kind of why I was pivoting away from some of these bouts. It's like it's what makes DFS for MMA so hard is when you try to put logic behind it and predict scores, it's very difficult. Um, but, yeah, like if Angela Hill wins, does she score well? Not really. I mean, but, like, you know – she has put up tons of volume in the past, so it's possible. I mean, she has gone out there and scored 104 in a decision win against Emily Ducote, but I just think that the the power of Denise Gomes is going to limit some of that upside. Um, so, yeah, like as far as underdogs where I'm looking this week, um, if I was going to punt for anybody, it ain't Lewis – it's not Ruiz, it's not Dalby, not Maga Madoff. It's got to be Pichel for me as a complete punt, mm-hmm. uh, possibly doing enough in a loss. Um, but then, like, I, I like Bukowskis, Mays, and Fernandez as part of my, my underdog pool this week. All right. Uh, next question we have here um, in, in terms of FanDuel cheapies, I mean, I think it kind of really relates to uh, some of those same thoughts that we just had. We'll see what those uh, salaries are going to be. Uh, best leverage play. I, I think we're, we'll see where ownership clearly goes. Uh, Arn Petrosian right now sticks out a little bit to me of where we're seeing his uh, ownership at. Um, you know, the other one that uh, – who was the other one I was looking at? I had circled here. Um, Dontel Mays I think is another one that's kind of interesting as an ownership play. Yeah, I mean, I like Bukowskis from a, an ownership standpoint. I just think for, for that division, for light heavyweight and heavyweight, like – these guys always need to have more ownership than what what it comes at. So uh, when I see him down there, you know, kind of bottom of the barrel ownership wise, I'm like, okay, I understand why people are away from him, but from a leverage standpoint, I think that it's worth a flyer. Uh, best takedown upside, Jonathan Almeida, um, or not Fakradinov, mm-hmm. um, Eduardo Mora. And then it comes down to Nascimento and Jacasey. Do they actually wrestle? They should. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's that's where I would go. Yeah, Jacasey, I think is the one that kind of sticks out to me, and, and that's where you obviously I think that's where you can kind of utilize what where are these props 
on prize picks and kind of relation into that. Now, rank the 9K options. We got seven 9K options here, Pete. Um, I, I mean, I, I still I think you have to rank Almeida number one, right? Yeah, for me. Gabriel Bonfim's two for me. Okay. Three is Eduardo Mora for me. Okay. Four is Renat Fakradinov. Mm-hmm. Five is Kyle Bahio. Six is Ismail Bonfim, and seven is Vitor Petrino. And the only reason my, my rankings are like that is just because I'm believing in Modestus, but like pound for pound value for the 9,000, like he's performed at that 9,000 range. So um, I, I wouldn't hate it if you had him higher. Uh, best options for 7,500 and below. Um, I think you look at Dontel Mays at, at 7,400 um, just because of what he could potentially do, but it is a low uh, heavyweight fight there. Um, you mentioned about Modestus Bukakis at, at 7,200 um, over there. And uh, I think v- Victor Hugo is the guy that is kind of the, the most unknown, one of the most unknown commodities a part of the card. And whenever you're willing to take a shot on a guy like that, it can set yourself up really well. But I, everything that I found on him, I just, I just didn't like it. He reminds me too much against Daniel uh, of Daniel De Silva. Yeah, I mean, looking at some of these ownership plays, because um, that was one that was a question. Um, the opening fight of the night, either side. I think is an interesting ownership play. Um, other ones, Bukakis, Hugo, Petrosian, and Mays, I think are the other ones I stick to. And, you know, and so like, you know, if you, you know, if you check out, you know, ownership projects at Stochastic has, what I really love to do on fight day is it's a seeing who are the fires that are underneath 20%, 20% and below. And then it becomes to, okay, what are the fights that just doesn't have a, a huge overall ownership into it? And to me, as we look at it right now, I think that opening fight of the night is that kind of that fight you got to look at and say, yeah. that's kind of that, you know, if you're looking at a little bit of, of leverage on the field there. Um, let's just say here. It'll get to some, go over to YouTube, get the YouTube questions in here. Of course, appreciate everyone tuning in here on YouTube. As we start to wrap up the show here. <laughs> it says, are we going to see a six pack Lewis again? We'll see what it looks like on the scale tomorrow. Um, uh, picks aside, who would be your top MVP and value plays for a FanDuel GPP? Um, you know, in terms of MVP, I mean, I mean, look, it's, I mean, Almeida is going to be $23. I mean, let's just, so, um, question is, is, is there going to be someone else on this card that maybe just has that more of a, a fantasy score upside than Almeida? Yeah. So, I'd be very, very surprised if he doesn't get a finish in rounds one or two. Um, I think that the the only other one, and it would come down to price, would be Gabriel Bonfim for me. I'm really bullish on his finishing potential here against Nicholas Dalby, who hasn't been finished technically. Um, but yeah, if he comes in 20, 19, 18, something like that, I'd be real. I'd be hopping all over that number. Um, and putting him in the captain contest. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, other ones that I would probably look at uh, in terms of, you know, maybe a captain contest, um, I, I would probably be looking at someone like uh, Hanat Fakhardinov as potentially. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll see what the ownership is. I mean, that, that really plays into me. I mean, in terms of, you know, value slash cheap plays on FanDuel, I mean, some of the, it's to me, it's some of the same names we've, we've brought up. Mays, uh, Bukakis. Victor Hugo. I think those will be the, the three that's a potentially uh, looks over there in terms of that. Uh, favorite loser to break the slate, assuming all favorites win. That to me is where that's that's where you start, and, and it goes back to the game theory that you've utilized in the past of you know who is that potential losing fighter who might get you 40, 50 points. Yeah, I think it's Vince Pichel, uh, truthfully. I, I just think if all if all favorites win, who scores the best? And I think that it's probably Adolfo Vieira or Vince Pichel, just because they do have takedown upside if they go the route. I just did look over FanDuel. They still have not posted this hours up there. But uh, once they do, uh, myself and Pete, we can give our analysis over there in Discord. So, uh, we, as always, we appreciate everyone tuning in for this episode of the Fight HQ Podcast. Of course, be sure to join that Discord. Totally free to join. We got our DraftKings contest as well. We got merch out there as well. A lot of great ways to show your support for here. What we do at Fight HQ. Pete, uh, any uh, final comments for everyone? No, thank you guys so much. Uh, continue to help us get to 1,000 subscribers. Um, the discord channel is crazy. We got like 300 and change members or something. So it's pretty awesome having all types of conversations in there, MMA related, other sports related. Um, but yeah, as far as this fight card goes, I think the ownership is going to, uh, fluctuate a little bit once Elvis Brenner and his opponent become live, a part of the contest. Um, so I'm interested to see if some other fights become a little underweight and we'll tackle all that in our discord channel. But, uh, yeah, thanks for watching, guys. Really appreciate it. Yeah, I'll be over in uh, Houston on Saturday as I'll, I'll land in Houston uh, pretty much right as these fights are, are kicking off. So I'll be uh, I'll have the fights up on the phone, and uh, as I'm enjoying Houston, I think I'm, I think I'm gonna try to hit the Rockets game on Saturday night. So uh, Ooh, do it. Yeah, we're yeah. So uh, I know I'm, I'm staying not too far from the arena. So I think that's uh, potentially and tickets actually weren't that bad. I was I thought tickets would have been a little more expensive than they were, but uh, looking forward to being Houston this weekend. Of course, always we appreciate you tuning in for for the podcast. Of course, uh, like, rate, review, subscribe, all that, and we appreciate you tuning in for this episode of the Fight HQ podcast.